we will share this safe space and grow together. Fall in love with moving your body. Break out of food jail. Learn to embrace all that you are and push every day toward living your biggest, boldest, best life. For the well of it. Welcome back, friends, to the For the Well of It podcast, a place where I, my colleagues, and my special guests will share strategies toward improving your wellness and also share real-life inspiration from real people. I have a guest today. My guest is Marnie Vandenbroek. She is in Sarnia, Ontario. We are Instagram besties. She just doesn't know that yet, <laughs> but I follow her Instagram account, which is called Helmet Free Life. That is the coolest title, and I want to hear a little bit about where that came from, too. But before we begin, I just want to offer a little content warning around grief and loss, because those are some of the things that we'll discuss today. So Marnie has been through quite a bit in her life. She's younger than me, so I won't say um, I won't say exactly how long that life has been, but she's younger than me, and she has a lot to share. She's been through some tough stuff, and as we know, we can do hard things. She's also coming out with a pos- the power of positivity, and that has kind of led her to where she is today. So Marnie, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited. excited to have you. Yeah. So excited all the way from Sarnia and you are actually my very first podcast guest. So milestone. Which is an honor that's even makes me more excited. So thank you. Thank you so much. So first, um, tell me a little bit about the Instagram page helmet free life before we get into everything else. So I had my own personal um, Instagram and Facebook page and uh, it all started helmet free life started in a coffee shop. Um, My best friend and I, we've been, friends since grade two so a long time um just got chatting and we you know we've both had our struggles and we've both you know gone through life together and we felt like we had a lot to share to inspire women you know support our local community so we came up with the idea of starting an instagram page um called helmet for life so it is a duo page so Mm -hmm. obviously my best friend her name is jamie she's not on this podcast um and yeah, we just kind of ran with it. Didn't really know what to expect. It took off. And it's such a great yeah. account because yeah. you're, very, you're both very open about your personal yeah. lives and about other initiatives that you're involved in. And you both yes. take over the Instagram um, account stories, mostly in real time. So it'll go from right. your house to Jamie's house. And that's been really cool, especially through COVID to watch. I feel like has, I've yeah. gotten to know your families. It's very, very cool. And that's funny because my kid, I have five kids and my kids will be out. And people will recognize them. And it's funny because they'll say, I feel like I know you. You have no idea who I am, but I follow your mom. And how is the move? And how is this? It's hilarious. My family gets the same thing. My husband, he was in a business meeting a couple of days ago off site at a different company. And he said when he walked in, everybody knew who he was. And he was hoping it was through his industry. But he's like, no, you're right. I'm Jill's husband. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Jill's husband. So that's that's great. That's what that is. So sweet. Okay. So where did the title Helmet Free Life come from? Because we always use a disclaimer, always wear a helmet when you're biking. So, but when we were kids growing up way back when, times were so different. Like we would literally get on our bikes in the morning. Helmets weren't a thing. And our parents wouldn't see us till the lights went off. And we just feel like people need to take life a little bit more relaxed and, you know, put yourself out there. 
um, do the fun things, be uncomfortable, try new things. We know as moms, once you become a mom, I feel like we go from here, we shove everything aside and we focus on our kids and often we forget about ourselves. And then when they get to an age, we sit back and we're like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I've missed a portion of my life. Absolutely. So it's kind of trying to get women to put themselves out there. So Helmet Free Life, Jamie came up with it. We were just sitting there and she's like, what about Helmet Free Life? I'm like, I love it. And it's here we so are. good. And I love that we're very aligned because this is a lot about what I talk about with my community too, is that, you know, it's not, you don't get a badge of honor for just martyrdom, for just pretending that you don't count or you're not important or not putting yeah. yourself first. You can't pour from an empty cup. So right. I always tell my, my members and my, com my community that you will, the most important work you'll do in your life is the work that you do on yourself. Absolutely. And I learned a lot from your story, which is coming up here in a second. Yeah. So tell me a little bit, let's go back in time a little bit for you. Can I ask you how old you are or is that impolite? No, I'm, I'm 41. Okay. So you are one year younger than me. <laughs> I knew you were yeah. younger. You are one year younger yeah. than me. Okay. So life before you turned 30, you can take it away and you can tell us whatever you're comfortable telling us today. Sure. Yeah. Um, life before I was 30. So in our twenties, like thinking back on those times, um, got married when I was 24, uh, had my first child at 25 and he's 17 now um and then I had my daughter three years later so I had a boy and a girl I was married um, my husband was a OPP officer so Ontario Provincial Police you know living our best life had the million dollar family two kids a great group of friends both had careers at that time I um, was an owner at a spa with my mom we lived in a little town of Corona just outside of Sarnia and you know, we all go through life like we're not oblivious, but invincible. Yeah, you just yeah. can't, you never think that hard things or things you see in movies will happen to you. Both very, we are both very healthy people. Our 20s were great. Now, my he was seven years older than me. So when I was in my 20s, he was in his 30s. <laughs> so yeah, and then I turned 30 and in March and then in July, my life changed. And that's kind of where my journey started. And I would say in my 20s, not that I think the biggest thing I've learned growing forward has been patience mm -hmm. and, appre and appreciation are the two big things that I really look at life. And it's something that honestly, we have to work at as humans every single day. Every day. It's a choice. We have every day. Yeah. Yep. And I've, some days I don't have patience and I don't have appreciation. Um, and those are those are the hard days. Um, but July 18th, 2010, um, well, July 17th, 2010, uh, so my son would have been six and a half. My daughter was three and a half. Um, so July 17th, we went when back then we'd go to the States a lot for dinner and shopping and we went with friends for dinner and life was great and came home. And it's funny because that night we came home and my mother-in-law was babysitting and it was like 1130 and I was really upset my son was still awake and I was like why is he not in sleep and uh Joel my husband at time um picked him up brought him to bed put him to sleep all was good and we went to bed so July 18th it was 5 30 in the morning and I woke up to my husband beside me in in a big struggle and uh 
yeah, called 911 and my son came in. It was the most, you know, they talk about post-traumatic stress and that's one of those moments where it's not something I don't think about every day is those moments um, when your loved one passes away beside you. Right. It's, yeah. It's almost like Um, an out-of-body experience. Out-of-body experience. Yep. And he dropped dead beside us. And yeah, so that's kind of where it starts. So he was 30, 36 years old? He was 37 at the 30, time. 37 years old. Yeah, police officer, worked out every day. It's, it was a blur. Like I And my husband now, we talk about it often about, like, do we remember things? Like, do you remember? And I'm like, I remember moments of that morning, but overall it was very... I remember running around in my underwear in a, in a white t-shirt and there's firefighters and police officers everywhere. But so, and that was another thing, the OPP that came were in the community where my husband worked. So it was very, very hard. It was just a really, everybody knows you, it's his work colleagues and it's very scary. And I'm sure it was small town, very small town. Um, Autopsy came out, um, no cause of death. They couldn't find a cause of death, which for about three years after that, I really struggled with um, being open about things when it came to this because, of course, I have children. And um, and then I became, to, I got to the point where I was like, I want to be an advocate for this because I think people always assume like it won't happen to me. It won't happen to right. me. Yeah. So um, we hired a medical examiner. and You we were three years not knowing the cause of death? Is that, I didn't know this piece. It took a it took a long time, wow. um, and they they found out that it was um, steroids and ephedrine. Ugh. So he had been a cycle user for years. I didn't know um, he didn't abuse it. He wasn't like a big big guy. He was tall, but um, yeah. So those hard conversations with my kids and. Um, my son, he's a high-level hockey player, so you know we went for genetic testing, and those those conversations of you can just never, you have to be very careful. Yes. So, you know, you go from one day, literally July seventeenth, you have the, the perfect, perfect million-dollar family, perfect life, to Devastate. the next day, yeah. having your your kids being driven up your parents' driveway and you sitting on the front porch and having to tell them that their dad's not coming home. That's one of the the biggest moments that I remember. Um, You kind of go into fight or flight mode. And for the first year and a half of my grief process, I I always say this, in my mind, there's no proper way to deal with a loss or everybody does it different. But when I look back now on how I dealt with things, um, I feel... I did it wrong for myself Um, and not so much for my kids, but I took a step back from my business and I, because I wanted to put everything into my kids Mm -hmm. and be there for them and give them what they needed. But at that time I froze myself and forgot about myself Mm -hmm. and didn't do things necessarily right for now looking back. Um, Yourself the care that you needed maybe over yeah. definitely nurturing your children, giving them what they needed in, through that time, but yeah. losing yourself you know, in the grief process a little. Yeah. Coping for me was alcohol and drugs. Um, I numbed my, I numbed everything. Yep. Anything I could numb, that's what I would do. Um, 
so then I, I feel my grief process started a little bit later and Hey, there's no manual in how to deal with these things, right? right? So there's no, yeah. so there should never be any later guilt or any later, like no. we, we go into as humans, we are not, you know, we get instinctual, like you said, fight or flight. And, and we don't know, we we're, nobody tells yeah. you that you're going to face this hard thing and nobody tells you the proper way to deal with it. You know, right. and, and the, yeah. I think as a, as a friend or a family member of somebody going through something this extremely hard, the best thing we can do is to be there completely judgment-free always just mm -hmm. be there yeah. and offer whatever support you can give. And so that's, that's the biggest thing. I like, I like that you said that judgment-free because that first year of grief and loss, I felt very judged for yeah. some things I did. Like if I was out for dinner with some of my girlfriends yeah. and smiling, it was like, oh my God, she's smiling. Mm -hmm. Like the stigma of grief and, and how people portray things to be. And you know what? I, I knew of a woman in our community who was a very well-known woman and she lost her husband about two years, a year and a half, two years before my husband passed away. And I judged her yeah. not knowing, right? right? Like you're like, Oh wow. She already, she already has a boyfriend. Like, yeah, you know, that, that I think it's so of, important to educate people about that because the judgment thing sometimes is natural human instinct, but it's not, I got some of it. I told you, I shared with you a little bit about when my son was sick in the fall and I didn't miss a session with my community here, my group, but it's not because I'm a workaholic. It's not because I was afraid what somebody would say. It's because I needed this physical and mental work on my wellness through the process or I would have never stood it. I was the stress right. was crushing me. So I showed up, I showed up, I taught the classes, I did all the things and I got some judgment for that too. But I think yeah. that if there's anything we can educate people on, it's to show up judgment-free always. You know, moving into that aspect of starting to date after a loss of a spouse was, mm -hmm. it's a very scary thing. And I felt I was being judged. Who knows if I was, but then I, I took a step back and I was like, why would anyone ever want to take the feeling of affection, love and being comforted away from somebody just because they lost somebody. Absolutely. And I know that Joel would have wanted me to be happy. Like I knew that in my heart. Yeah. I know he would have been like, I know you're hurting. I know, you know, if he was, if he could have spoke to me that that's what he would have said. Absolutely. You no, know, I want, I want you to be happy. I want you to feel loved. I want you to, you know, take some of this pain away. So if I could tell anybody anything through the process, um, never judge somebody or, you know, that's going through something that you have never been through. I had a letter mailed to me by a woman who was substantially older than me because I was out with my parents and my brother about a month after um, at a restaurant and I must have been maybe smiling, happy, laughing. And one of my good friends overheard her say something. And I ended up getting a letter from this woman apologizing. Um, okay. I'm glad that I thought you were going to say you got hate mail and I was ready to get angry. No, no. <laughs> and, and she apologized. People, yeah. People, like I said, that's that stigma of how, you know, we need to wear black dresses and sit in a corner and cry for a year. Yeah, like forever. you don't, you don't sell your house within the first, you don't, there's all these thoughts that people think they're supposed to do. And I just, I would love to write a book about it one day, just because, you know, I hope it, you do. It, you've already shared yeah. so much and helped so much. And, and I told you when we were texting last week that when I went through this thing with my son, which doesn't compare to what you went through, but it's a hard thing. Um, 
I thought of you and I thought of the yeah. life, like I get to see your life now. And I know that like, that's, I'm sure there's a void of what you went through, but you look to have such a very healthy, happy life now. And yeah. you obviously put in the work to, to get there. Cause it takes so much work. A lot. To get there. So tell me a little bit yeah. about that about your process toward healing and your sure. um, and the, yeah. the families cause and it's the family the and how we came about. Yeah. yeah. So this is the ironic story. So um, the night my husband actually passed away, he ran into my husband now. So my husband now, his name is Chris. Cold so now, Cold I know. Shivers. So, so when we move forward in, in this, people can remember. So Joel is my husband that passed away and Chris is my husband now. Right. The one I refer to. Okay. So the night before Joel passed away, we are at Partridge Creek in the States and Joel and Chris ran into each other. So keep in mind, they were both seven years, eight years older than me. And they had been friends. They had been friends, played hockey, grew up, you know, like acquaintances, like not good friends, yeah. but knew each would other. always say hi, knew each other. Mm-hmm. And I was in a store shopping, they ran into each other. And actually that night when we got home, Joel messaged Chris to go golfing the following week. Oh my goodness. And obviously he passed away. Right. So, and I didn't know all this. I didn't know all of this until I met Chris, but... Um, so we're going to fast forward a year and a little bit, a year and a half, a year, yeah, a year and a half. And, um, Chris, my husband now, his first wife, Carolyn, um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and passed away, um, June, 2011. How long was her so, Um, she was diagnosed in, in December, like January 1st and passed away in June. Oh, how so it awful. was, yeah, very, very fast. Um. And again, I didn't really know Chris and, uh, we got in contact cause he knew my dad and he wanted to talk to the girl, to me about what to do with the kids when it came to, um, bereavement groups. So he emailed me, we got in touch. The kids started a group together. We went for coffee, kind of started talking the kids did therapy and, together, your kids and him. yeah. Oh my yeah. Goodness. How wonderful. And it, and it was so ironic because after like the third session, the kids just kind of all wanted to hang out. So about three weeks later, the group ended and the kids all want to go to the cemetery together. So we go to the cemetery and Joel and Carolyn's headstones are like 10 feet away from each other. Oh my goodness. So, Shiver. so before you go yeah. further, remind me, your kids are what ages and his kids are what ages at this time? At this time would have been four and a half and like maybe four, yeah, four, five and eight, five and eight for your boy and girl for mine. And, and Chris, uh, Chris's youngest was a baby. So she was still in diapers. Like she was oh just, goodness. she was one years old. Wow. Um, and then there was Regan and Jordan. So Jordan's 10 years apart. So she would have been 11 and Regan would have been nine. Wow. So pretty young. Yeah. So it, it was funny. Here we are standing in the cemetery with these five kids and they're running around showing each other their parents in the cemetery. And I looked at him and I'm like, this is just so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, this is so weird. And we, I can't remember the dynamic, like what actually happened if it was that day. But I remember I lived about 20 minutes away from him. And this is how our whole relationship started. The kids, we just felt very comfortable with each other. We felt, I guess we there's a bonding over talk. that loss. There was a, there, yeah, there was a yeah. bonding. 
Um, and, you know, when Carolyn was in the hospice passing away, she actually told Chris to get in contact with me about, but she didn't know me. She just knew um, I was a young widow and had kids and she said she might be able to help with what to do transition and da, da, da. so it's I just feel like there was like the universe was universe. putting us together 100 percent 100 yeah yeah and I remember we were I was sitting at home the kids were in bed it was late and I messaged Chris and I said I need to tell you something and he's like what and I go the weirdest thing happened today or the other day and he goes what and I go when we were at the cemetery and he goes, what? And I was like, we were standing there and I just really wanted to kiss you. And it could have been the emotion of the cemetery, the kiss. I don't know. It just, and then it, it wasn't. Was. It was a pull and you communicated yep. it, which I love. That is yep. so beautiful. And it, it wasn't 18 minutes later, I knock on my front door, I open the door, he walked in and he kissed me. Kissed you. That was it. <laughs> that that, that's so how it all started. And you've been together yeah. ever since. Yes. Oh, yep. how beautiful. Um, our wedding was just, you know, everything I just feel like kind of happened the way it was supposed to. And some people may say it happened quick, but we both feel that everything happened for a reason. Hey, there's no time. On that. There's no time on that. To me, it's feelings and experiences and what works right for you and your families. There's no, yeah. again, there's no rule book. <laughs> yeah. Now this wasn't a, uh, oh, yay, we're a big, happy family and these five kids and, you know, they're going to be my, all five kids are my kids and it's going to be wonderful. It's, it's been a struggle blending. Anyone that's blended a family right. knows how hard it is. Um, and then blending a family with kids Please. going through a loss and, yes. um, you know, our oldest now she's 21 and it, it doesn't get easier. They just figure out how to kind of fall into their, their normal. Yeah. You know, a lot of therapy, that's one thing I highly recommend is, is a lot of therapy. You do therapy yourself right from the, be well, aside from that point that it was too hard in the beginning and then you've been doing yeah. therapy. Yeah. I didn't start doing therapy until I met Chris. Okay. Which, you know, again, one of those things, hey. looking back, I should have right away. There's no, there's no shoulda, woulda, couldas. We don't know yeah. these things. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I can do this on my own. I'm strong. Like I, I really put on a good front that I was a strong person. I get that. And which is, I, I think it's some kind of protection mechanism, right? Because I know when I get challenged, I feel that way. It's like, no, no, I got it. I got it. I can handle it. Yeah. But I certainly cannot sometimes. <laughs> I yeah. absolutely cannot sometimes, but it's hard to admit that. Yeah. So I started therapy when I met Chris and it, it changed my life. It was, you know, just my therapist that I had, how she you know, everyone practices differently. Um, how she practiced really helped me. I went to a few before I found her. Um, but uh, Laura definitely made me really think things and, you know, talk about mindset and moving forward and dealing with things. Because a lot of times we try to suppress things and just put them away. And yeah. but they're always there. So always. how do we kind of how do we unpackage that, unload it? and and try to move forward um that's what really helped me yeah and the kids did bereavement groups together what would you say about that for kids going through loss really helpful it's a group setting therapy is it they did group setting and a few three of them have done individual mm -hmm. um as well as needed like my my daughter cohen so she's 
14 now, but when she was about seven, eight, she was really, really, really struggling with um, like separation anxiety. And she still to this day, she's afraid of a lot of things. Um, So just kind of working through that. Um, Our oldest Jordan, she, you know, just, it's hard, right? Like, Oh, well, she would have been and learning. She was very aware of it all and, and yeah. feeling energy from everybody else when she went through this. Yeah. yeah. And, and dealing with emotions because I always tell my kids, your feelings are your feelings. You can't control them. You need to learn how to work through them. Yeah. You can't ignore, if you're having these, these feelings, you can't ignore them and just like, they're going to go away. They're going to go away because they're not going to go away. You have to learn how to cope with them, work through them, um, journaling, writing things down. So that's kind of what we've done. We've got rocks, you know, my one, our one Cohen, she, I had to wear a rock by my heart for a day. And then she had that rock whenever I wasn't home because it was always an issue at bedtime because, you know, her dad died in his sleep. Like it was the middle of the night. Like who she remembers, I went to bed one night, my dad was there and then I woke up in the morning and he wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's four girls and one boy and I would find the, you know, with boys, they kind of, I'm fine. I'm fine. We've, we, we have it. Like we just came off a really hard week. We had Joel's birthday, Carolyn's 10 year anniversary of her passing wow. father's day. And then right. Carolyn's birthday all in one week. Wow. So lots of cemetery visits, lots of, you know, emotions brought up triggers. And, you know, my son at the cemetery, he's a big six foot four big boy. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen a lot of emotion from him in quite some time. And, you know, he started to cry and he goes, Oh, I haven't cried. And he was like, kind of like getting upset. Oh, I haven't cried for long. I'm like, buddy, like, dude, this is feel the do feelings. It. like, yeah, yeah you got to feel the feelings. You gotta go through the emotions. It's very healthy. And I think as humans, you and social media, you just look at everyone's perfect lives and highlight reel, <laughs> highlight reel. And you forget, we have to go through these things. So Going back to the therapy thing, I think it's very important. You know, our youngest, she's 11 right now, and she didn't know her mom. She doesn't remember her mom because she was a baby. So, you know, Mother's Day and all these things come, and she's like, "Uh, like, I don't remember. And so we, Joel and Carolyn, are very present in our lives. We have pictures. Oh, that's wonderful. um, They're spoken about probably every day, which is very important to us and to the kids. Um, But every situation is different. Yeah. You know, it's It's so unique that you both came from that position of having lost your spouse, not a divorce or separation. You lost your spouse. So it's the two of you and these five kids against the world. That's, I think it's so beautiful. And I do feel like you said, it's like, based on the story you've told, it's the universe at work. I feel not that I truly believe in that. I don't necessarily think everything happens for a reason, because I don't think that you needed to go through what you went through, but look at the outcome is absolutely something beautiful came out at the end. It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because for a long time, I struggled with that statement. You know, people, you know, um, oh, he's in a better place or, oh, she's in a better place. And I'm like, that's bullshit. No, but you know, we can't, the biggest thing I've learned, we can't go back and change our past. How do we change the perspective? Like, how do we move forward? And that's, that's what I've really, I would say in the last five years, that's where I've really like dug deep. I've gone to several conferences. I've, you know, podcast listener, book reader, journaler, and it works. Some of my favorites, like Glennon Doyle. Do you know Dr. Joe Dispenza? Did yes. you ever listen to him? Yep. Oh, so good. So you good. Know, just the power of your mind, like our minds and how, you know, I wrote some stuff down. Um, 
you know, gratitude. And the biggest thing, you're going to make a lot of people uncomfortable becoming who you want to be. Yep. And that's something I've always really struggled with is being that happy person, putting myself forward and wondering what people would think. And being a people pleaser, me too, chronically. Yeah. Life. Yeah. And I'm going to chat really quick about my biggest, I, I don't know if I, I think I chatted about this on my, the podcast I was on before, but my biggest aha moment in the last like five years that scared the living out of me. So I was at a conference and before I say this, and I say, I say this all the time because there's, there will be people that will be like, that's terrible that she would say that. But um, you have to really think of the, the big picture of it. Um, I was at a conference. It was a, a three-day conference in Minneapolis. And it was, it was deep. It was very hard for me. It was the first one, second one that I went to. Um, but I like put everything into it. I was like, I am going to like find myself this weekend. I'm going to become a new person. Anyway, so I go to this conference with one of my best friends and it was hard. Um, and then on the last day we were sitting there in a, in a big auditorium of like 5,000 people and we're sitting there and, um, the woman who was on stage, uh, was talking about finding, you know, gratitude. And she walked us through this. She had this beautiful music playing and she walked us through this whole journey of getting to the point of feeling gratitude for something. So we had our eyes shut. We're talking, she's talking. And then all of a sudden at the end of this guided meditation, she said, now when you stop, what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, what you're grateful for today. And all of a sudden I had this like, terrible feel no I wouldn't say it was terrible a very uncomfortable feeling and I started crying and I had to get up and leave and I left and I called my husband Chris and I was like the something really bad just happened he's like what and I said well we were doing this thing and she said what's something that you're grateful for and the first thing that came to my mind was Joel's passing mm-hmm. and I thought that was so bad I was like how can I how can I sit here and think that my husband passing is something I'm grateful for. So I really had to process it and I really had to write down and I was like, Oh my God, we can't go back and change things that have happened, but we can change how we move forward. And that it was that moment where I was like, I need to be more conscious and make, make a choice to find gratitude and hard things, which I, and I always say this, I wouldn't be the person I am today if Joel didn't pass away. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I I mean, I worked on myself. I grew, I found like, like deep, greater appreciations for things. Um, My relationship with my kids, my relationship with myself, um, all these things. And we can't, I can't change that he's not here. So what can I change? I, I can become a much more grateful human being. Absolutely. And that's, that was like my big, you know, aha moment over the last five years where I was like, wow, okay. Yep. Here we are. And 
But I mean, in that moment, you were at the end of a conference that was exploring gratitude and growth. And in that moment, you were, it was a meditation that guided you to come towards something you were grateful for. And you were grateful for your husband, Chris. You were grateful for these five kids. You were grateful for being probably forced into doing all this work on yourself, personal growth and healing and, and all of these things. I, I think that is amazing. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It, takes, it takes a lot. The, the best work we'll ever do in our lives is the work we do on ourselves. It's hard to do that work. It's easy to just roll over. It's easy to just shovel, shuffle one foot in front of the other every day and just, you know, be live with acceptance. I was listening to a podcast yesterday on my run that uh, Glennon Doyle was on and she was talking mm. about her book, which is incredible, but she was yeah. talking about how it's like, and this is the way I felt when I started my personal growth journey four years ago. It was kind of like, I have a great life. I have nothing to complain about, but why don't I feel mm -hmm. joy? And it's because mm -hmm. and that's some of the work that I've done with my psychologist is that joy is a skill. Finding joy in everyday it life, it's a skill. It's a choice that you make to work on that every day. You can be unhappy. That's a choice too, but I'm not mm -hmm. here for that. <laughs> and it sounds well, a lot like of people say, I just want to be happy. But happy is, uh, what, what's, you might know this, it's right on the tip of my tongue. So happiness is a feeling. Joy is something you have to work at. Absolutely. They're two completely different things. Like to, to feel joy. And it, like you said, it is an everyday thing. Like you, it, and I told you before, this podcast came at the most perfect time because I feel like I've been in a funk of just with um, COVID and the, all the kids being home and watching them struggle through um, life. Like you said, we're from Ontario oh, and we've been in, yeah. we've been in like complete shutdown for, I don't know. I, I my daughter graduated from grade eight two days ago. And I said her last full year of school was grade six. That's crazy. So, she was a little girl and now she's yeah. a young woman. That is bizarre. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, being a stay at home mom and that was a choice that we made about five, four, four years ago, five years ago. Um, I owned a business and one day we had a, we had a nanny helping us because five kids, my husband travels a lot for work, isn't home a lot. And I was like, these kids need one of us home and present and here for them. Right. Like I, I just, so we made the decision and I became a stay at home mom and it's been the most gratifying thing, but it's been, it's been it's hard. hard as well. So having them all home, you know, our oldest daughter was away at college. She, came home to do finish her learning our son he's in grade 11 he was away playing hockey um he came home so just having all five kids home and you know having their own struggles with what's going on not being able to see friends not being able to go to school play their sports um like uh, my our son he's 17 he drafted into the ohl and you know that whole year got taken away so it's just watching these kids maneuver through these I new know. times has been you know people keep saying oh they're so resilient right but these are some of their prime development times and learning times and you know they're missing it they're missing it it's they're missing it yeah my son yeah. uh 
plays rec hockey, but he was, he had made it to the highest level that he ever had the year that COVID happened. And he was about to go out of province on a hockey trip, had never done that before. Had never had that opportunity. That doesn't happen here because we're on an Island, right? So it's yeah. not as easy as just driving to the next province over. So it happens at the higher levels and you fundraise and you go on the airplane. So this would have been the only time. And also my husband and I were both going, leaving the two brothers home. He was so excited and the trip got canceled and I don't think he's over it. <laughs> like he was. They- don't 13 at the time absolutely devastated just devastated it's hard because (laughs) I remember I I remember speaking to him last year during lockdown and being like Pete you have to stop with the video games you've got to take a break and he was never a video game kid but then he said and he really shook me into my boots he said mom I was going to school I was playing hockey I was playing basketball I was riding my bike I was going with friends and now I have none of that nothing only way to talk to my friends hang out with my friends yeah and then I took a big step back I know because and it's funny our our therapist we talked about this the one day so we are the first set of parents in a generation parenting a generation where it's so different yeah it's so different so we sit back and we're like my gosh when we were kids we would do, 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 do this and this and this and this and you know, I sometimes I have to take a step back and be like, it's not just my kids. It's all of you. This is just right. the way it is. The new world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is insane. So, yeah, going going through the last year and however many months, I feel like forever of, of all that with, with kids and milestones and, you know, has been yeah interesting COVID has been so challenging in so many ways and first of all stay-at-home mom is one of the hardest jobs in the world but a stay-at-home mom during a pandemic when you have five children and you're homeschooling them you deserve a medal of honor my friend that is all the mamas yeah yeah it's definitely yeah um and going through the and I always say to women like going going back to you know we kind of forget about ourselves and You know, it was about four years ago where I, four or five years ago where I hit rock bottom. Like it got to the point where my husband was traveling a lot. All the kids were either in high school or elementary school. And I would literally put my, get up in the morning. I would put my face on. I would make the kids their breakfast and lunches and send them off to school. And I would get back in bed. If my husband was not home, I would get back in bed and I would literally set my alarm for like 2.52 because I knew our oldest daughter was getting home from high school around 3.20 and I would again put on my face and act like everything was just amazing and I did that for a period too in the fall of 2017 and I didn't want to shower I didn't want to get dressed like I remember doing that and it was like my dirty little secret nobody knew what I was doing so hard it was so hard yeah and it got to the point where I felt really no purpose and I know, like, I, I know as moms, we probably all go through that. I felt like I was going through emotions and it was so repetitive. And, you know, like, duh, 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 I get in my car, I drive my kids to all their activities. And I was just at such a bad point. And that's when Chris said to me, like, what's going on? Like, and I told him and, you know, from that point forward, he's been a huge supporter, always has been a huge supporter, but a huge supporter. And, you know, he's gone through his times as well, where he really struggled. Yeah. Um, and it's, trying to find that motto in life of not getting sucked into you know you want to look at life as it's happening for you not to you and I know there's a lot of motivational speakers that use that quote so I can't really quote who right says it so right. many people say it but and it's so true how do we look at life that 
all these obstacles, all these challenges, all these hard things are for a reason. Yeah. Like, how can we look at something so shitty and be like, wow, life is really trying to test me. You know, I got a tattooed on my arm. I was given this life because I'm strong enough to handle it. That is and beautiful. I, f- I feel like, you know, that's the truth. Like, not that my kids deserve this or I deserve this or any, you know, anyone deserve this, but um, again, we can't change it. So how do we become better people going through hard things? And I look at all five of our kids and what they've all gone through and they are amazing kids. Like last night, Chris and I went on a little date night and we, he grabbed my hand and he's like, we have good kids. And often as parents, we, we forget to value that, but considering what these five kids have been through, it could have gone completely different, right? Well, like we are have... living by such great examples. I mean, you two have been so focused on trying to do things right in that, you know, working on the healing and the therapy and, and making it available to them and making them right. understand that it's normal and it's okay. To yeah. Be okay. Yeah. 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 Important. That's another thing. Good. That's a valid thing too. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Cause it's okay. We all yeah. have our days. Um, yeah. Just a little note about your son who's, he got drafted to the OHL. And I have to say that was one of, so we all love Instagram. Oh. I, I love Instagram. I feel like, and I know people feel this way about me that follow me on Instagram. So I feel like I know the people. So I really feel like I know you and Jamie and that you were doing a story when, during the actual draft, you were all in your living room. And when his name yeah. came up on the screen and your reaction was so raw oh, gosh. and so incredible and so sweet. And you were just so proud. I lost it i was here in a puddle watching that and then i went to show it to my son and because we're in a different time zone than you so in the morning i went to show it to my son and, and it had it was the 24 hours were up it was gone yeah and i was devastated i was like you should have seen this kid and his family because uh, that's one of those moments too like landon started skating when he was three years old like joel oh. joel was a big hockey player so it was like he that kid could have given up like I look at that situation Absolutely. and that's a perfect example. That kid could have given up and he went on that ice every single time and skated for his dad. He would tell us, he would tell us. And right before his draft, he went to the cemetery and talked to his dad and he had a pendant with his dad's fingerprint on it. And I, he told me this after he held it in his pocket the whole entire day and rubbed it. And the day of the draft. You know, Chris I, yeah. And Chris oh. and I just, he's worked, he's, he's used his emotion to get where he is today. Yep. He's, he's a great kid. Um, like I said, last year he went away, he got asked to go to a prep school in St. Catharines. It's called Ridley and to be on the hockey team and excelled. Like I, we're very proud of all of the kids and their accomplishments and how they're kind of using their, their situation to really grow through who they want to become because that's hard, right? Yeah, these kids appear. Very hard. I mean, I know Instagram is Instagram, but these kids really appear to be thriving. Each, each yeah. every one of them. Because there's one daughter yeah. that has some challenges, right? right? Yeah. So Regan, she's 19, and she has Williams syndrome, which is very rare. And uh, she has the most infectious smile that I oh. have ever seen. She's the sweetest. So our, yeah, our date night last night. We went. She got a job as a hostess at a restaurant in our in our town here, and we went there for the first time. And like her manager and boss came up and they're like, we can't say enough great things about her. You know, Aww. she's such a great kid. And awesome. they're, yeah, they're all kind Good of coming her. into their own and figuring life out with their challenges. And, and she's yeah. going to college. Is she the one? She just got accepted. Yep. To college. 
Amazing. Yep, she got accepted into a CIC program, which is for for um, kids with special needs, and she's so excited. So, yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So what are the big plans for the Vandenbrooks over the summer? What's coming up? For the summer, we're going to probably boat a lot. No real travel plans, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, my, our son has a couple hockey things, one in the States and one out West. Mm-hmm. to go to just showcases in that and yeah we're just gonna try to soak it in while the kids don't want to hang out with us yeah my hope is that by yeah. the fall maybe things will feel normal-ish in this crazy world that we're in it feels like it's getting yeah it feels like we're getting yeah out. one okay. dozen questions 12 questions okay sun or shade shade sports car or suv i mean i want sports car but i really like suvs yeah I like a big rig. Meanwhile, I have a Honda minivan, but that's what fits my life right now. (laughs) So we'll see down the road. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Same. Wine or beer? Wine. You know me. Yes. I thought for sure that was the answer. And I feel like we're very aligned there too. When Jamie books and you guys get together and wine. Oh, awesome. Cardio or weight training? Cardio. (laughs) Cardio. Cardio. You do the Peloton thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love spinning too. Um, Yeah. Stay in or go out? Stay in. Stay in, me too. Uh, Summer or winter? Summer. Absolutely. Hot tub or swimming pool? Pool. I'm not a big hot tub. I don't like sitting in hot water, but yeah. You know what? I'm not really a water person. Let's just be real. I don't go swimming. I don't, yeah. No, Mm -hmm. not really your thing. Uh, Heels or flats? Flats. Absolutely. Who needs that noise? Talk or text? Text same shower or bath summer shower but winter i have a bath every day totally i get it okay and the most important one of them all nachos or potato chips oh nachos same see i knew we were little sisters i knew it yeah (laughs) yeah and the the thing about the sun i love the sun but again with age like i just have such bad pigmentation that i have to stay in the sun no i absolutely love the sun but man i am I am seeing it <laughs> on me. My yeah. on worshiping. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. This was amazing. I cannot wait to get this episode out in the world. No, just thank you. And for, for any woman, man, anyone that's listening, honestly, I, my big motto is be you, do you, and learn how to um, stop watching highlight reels and become who you want. I just want women to really focus on themselves. Mm-hmm. put yourself first and like you said you can't you, you, you know you can't fill someone else's cup if yours is empty so fill your cup every morning and then you'll just be such a better person for everybody yeah and one of the for things sure. I said earlier one of our shirts here says unapologetically me and we need to live to our true authentic selves without worrying about what other people think because yeah that doesn't matter let's shine so bright that we just inspire so, shine so bright yeah yeah. Maybe one day you and I can meet. Maybe if you ever come to Ontario or I go that way, we can meet. That'd be awesome. Pre-COVID, I would go to Ontario every summer. So I'm I'm hoping. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that day comes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing here today on the podcast and for your Instagram account, which is Helmet Free Life. And I will catch up with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you.